G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A compelling story to hear today about a Western Australian man who wants to protect people who are what is called gender questioning. Jeremy Bates wants to get word out about how damaging it is to people transitioning to a gender that is different from their biological sex. He transitioned to being a woman, including a sex change operation, and then some years later has decided to embrace his biological sex. He says it's the first time in his life he actually feels comfortable in his own skin. Jeremy Bates in Western Australia, welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Um, Thanks for asking me on. Uh, Jeremy, and I know you like to be called Jem, let me just ask you, before we get our conversation really underway, I know that it's just recent times that you rediscovered a faith that you understood as a young man and you've come back to your Christian faith. Uh, Give us a little insight into how that happened. Um, That's right. Um, It's been very, very, very recent. Um, After I detransitioned, I guess it it felt like I was letting go of a lot of the indoctrination that I'd been exposed to for many, many years. Exploring that and letting that go allowed the space for the faith to spontaneously come back into my life. I wasn't even looking for it. It's like it found me. And, um, yeah, I'm just so happy to to be back and to to know God and to be a part of the church again. Well, Jeremy, I know these things are not always easy to talk about, and I know you have wanted to get a message out far and wide. In fact, just recently, you even made a submission to the Law Reform Commission in Western Australia. What did you want to say to the Commission about these issues? Um, I wanted them to rethink their legislation that they're trying to implement because the legal changes that are happening across the Western world are basically ending the precedence of biological sex and the internal gender itself um, is becoming more important. So basically the law of changes involves self-identification of gender, no treatment required, the changing of um, children's gender against parents' wishes, and the family court can take parental rights away, so there's a lot of things in your message that you're wanting to bring out and you're certainly qualified to have a dissenting perspective on these proposed changes that are being considered in Western Australia. Uh, do you find people are listening to your story whenever you tell your story now? Um, well, basically, I'm only just starting to tell it. So I can tell you my, my personal experience. I always was um, gender confused all the way through my life. I started questioning it, not not that long ago, about um, four months ago. Um, in that process, I discovered that I, my mother had taken 
um, a drug called DES, diethylsilbestrol. Um, it's an anti-miscarriage drug. And 20% of, of boys that are impacted by this drug have transgender experiences. So that just made me want to question everything. And I, I looked into the whole transgender um, movement and discovered a pattern of very poor science. But more importantly, just the whole logical concept of gender identity just not making sense. So what they're trying to do is say that biological sex is just... It's no, there's no relevance to that. It's what you feel inside is your gender identity. It's the only relevance. It surely um, is a big challenge. Let me just dwell for a moment on the drug that your mother was taking while she was pregnant with you, diethylstilbestrol, and yeah. it's a synthetic estrogen and right. as you say, there's a high percentage of children born who, in fact, experience this transgender feeling. Let me take that a step deeper, too, because when you were going through any preliminary counselling before having a sex change operation, they didn't pick up that your no. mother had taken that or, or that you were, in fact, on the autism spectrum. That's right. Well, they expect um, a certain amount of counselling, but in practice, they don't take a, a thorough history and the cause isn't looked for the cause of what you're going through with your gender confusion isn't actually looked for because it's all about affirming treatment so it's all about affirming who you feel you are so I, I never I never got to to do that investigation proper investigation I was obviously I was gender confused and I was I discovered the category of transsexual that's why I wanted to change because that's what I thought, oh, that must be me. But there is only um, a born that way kind of mentality with the transgender movement. So there's, there's no reason for them to, to kind of analyse what the cause is. Jim, you lived yeah. as a woman for 17 years and That's right. uh, having officially changed gender and including sex reassignment surgery, and that was going back to 2003. I wonder if you can fill in some details as to what led you to a point where you thought, uh, I need to detransition, uh, turn back to my original biological sex. Take us through that journey. Well, well basically... I started to get more awakened to, you could say, right-wing politics, more aware of world situation to do with the bigger picture of um, globalism, nationalism. And in the process of that, I started to question all these other precepts to do with how our society um, is getting to the way it is, um, including cultural Marxism. I was doing a lot of research and it was only a matter of time before I started questioning the trans issue, um, which I was kind of avoiding, but eventually I looked into it and straight away it was like it was pretty obvious that it's been an agenda right from the start. It's, it's had very little um, um, solid science backing it. it. The science is all about affirming. It's, there's no um, dissenting science that is allowed. Um, doctors who question it are fired. Yeah, so it's it's definitely an agenda. Jim, I know that so many of our listeners, and we've had lots of conversations, uh, usually from that conservative perspective when it comes to 
uh, gender dysphoria and uh, these issues that are going on, a lot of listeners will be uh, very encouraged that a message that there is an ideologically driven agenda here, uh, that it actually has reached you and and has caused you to question those things and and you know and reflecting on your uh, christian testimony too let me just say uh, we're thankful to god that that something has uh, has like the pennies dropped and and you've said i need to question this when you yeah. did begin to question that and you began to ask hard questions of those sorts of support groups that support transgender people. What sort of response were you getting from uh, from those who um, were addressing your questions? Yeah, in, immediate um, vilification. Um, I was accused of being transphobic. I was, before I'd even had a chance to even start a conversation practically, I was banned from Facebook groups. They literally did, did not want to hear um, any, any detransition stories. And and I thought that, you know, being a support group and detransition maybe being a part of, possibly a part of being what it means to be transgender. Um, no, they just didn't want to know. Well, your story is significant and we're going to take a short little break and come back and continue to talk to Jeremy Bates. He's in Western Australia and uh, as you can hear, this is a significant story and especially around the issues that are being debated in Australia. And uh, Jeremy, I know that listeners, uh, you'll be in their prayers even as they hear your story. Uh, We'll continue this story in just a few moments. We are in the middle of what I think is a very important conversation with a man who lived for 17 years as a woman, went through the whole process, uh, the sex change operation and all, and in recent times began to question what was happening in his own life and putting those questions to the people who were driving what we might call an ideologically driven agenda to affirm people who are transsexual. Jeremy Bate is our guest. Jeremy, take us to those times when you asked questions and you began to research some of the scientific understanding of what was going on with the transgender issue. What did you find when you began to look into these things a little deeply? Um, Yeah, I found that uh, there was no um, studies on people who detransition. And I think detransitioning counters their ideology of um, everyone being born that way and they don't really want to know about it. See, when, when I first um, presented as gender dysphoric, it was all about affirming um, therapy. But now I see that I could have been helped, more helped by people that were um, had a dissenting view. So if people were to try to help me accept my biological gender, that would have been so much more helpful. But the medical profession is pressured into accepting that the best practice is affirming therapy. And those who refuse to accept that are vilified and sometimes fired. So it's very difficult for the medical um, community as well. But the medical profession, supposedly scientific, which to me means being cynical, but not questioning the basic logic of gender ideology. So... That's a good question that I'd like to see answered. Why isn't the medical profession more cynical? 
Well, when you say the idea of uh, really serious research studies into detransitioning, and there are none, uh, I imagine that if anyone did try to do a study on detransitioning, they may well be vilified for doing such things, and I suppose that's the reason why. But when you start to talk about those professional medical associations... And they're running the same line, uh, light and fluffy, affirming attitudes. And uh, you're saying that professional medical associations need to have a bit of a backbone and actually tell the truth. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes, um, there, there needs to be um, like dissenting research, basically questioning the logic. So basically, what is gender? So basically, they can say, is it biological or is it? Completely subjective, and it can't be one or the other. It has, it has to be one. It has to be one or the other. So, if it is subjective and it's in how you feel inside, that overwrites biological sex, which is what is happening um, to society. That that is slowly being overwritten. So, biological sex is ceased, is going to cease to have the meaning it has. It's going to be taken off birth certificates. It's it's no longer going to be a legal thing anymore. Um, but common sense tells us that our gender is biological. And science, um, doctors in the medical profession need to get back to that. Jim, since you have begun to detransition, you've been taking the biological sex appropriate hormone testosterone. What yes. has the result been for you in having begun to take that hormone? Um, it. It actually has helped me accept psychologically my gender more. Actually, I could have done with some kind of treatment protocol like that when I first presented as gender dysphoric. But yeah, it's actually yeah improved my life greatly. Take us back just briefly. You made some comments about the way this ideologically agenda-driven idea has come about and you've come to appreciate that culture in Australia is somehow or other being artificially managed into a particular direction. How do you describe that? Well, I mean, looking at the bigger picture, there's there's so many different aspects to this, but this is just one aspect. It's, it's, it's also to do with the LGB um, movement, cultural Marxism. So what everybody is being asked to believe is that biological sex doesn't mean anything and we're actually being asked to believe that that something is true is not true. It's almost, it's like Orwellian. It's like we're being asked that, that 2 plus 2 equals 5 and we need to stand up and start, you know, questioning this. Jim, you must have friends who are also transgender and having gone through the sorts of processes that you've been through, what has their reaction been when you've had conversations with them? Um, I haven't um, had a lot to do with them. As I said, when, when I first came out on online, I was basically blocked straight away. So... I had very, I've had very, very minimal contact. Um, but so far, um, people in my family and my circle of friends have been very um, supportive. What I want to say to people is, if you know of trans people in your life and you're confused about how to be compassionate towards them, um, 
I just want you to know that it's not the same as agreeing with them. People will hate you for it, for standing up for your own convictions. Because when, when you're in that gender-confused state and there's all this information around you saying that you need to have it affirmed, you're not going to want to hear that there's other people around you saying, no, that's not true. I, I, I would hate someone to say that, but in the long term, I would have appreciated it. So I want people to realize that in the long term, if you stand true to your own convictions, you may actually be helping them more than agreeing with them. Jim, you've come back just recently, as we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, uh, to rediscover some of the roots of your own faith, your Christian faith. And you very gently described how that happened. And I know that, you know, this is a sense here in which you're young in your rediscovery of that faith. Uh, How do you feel around Christian people? I don't know whether you've found a local church or a pastor or someone who can be an encouragement and and someone who can affirm you in the direction you're going. But how have you found uh, when you've talked about your faith or, or or made some more effort to link more closely to a Christian community? Um, yeah, that's in the very early stages. Um, I actually haven't attended church yet. This has only been a week, uh, just over a week that I've been coming back to the faith. So I'm really looking forward to, to connecting with that. And yeah, I, I'm not sure how people are going to react, but hopefully they they will, yeah, accept me. I guess from the point of view of Christians, we often would see ourselves in a two-speed approach to what happens. Of course, as you know, there are very militant people on the LGBT side who are attacking the church, and that's one speed where the church needs to defend truth and stand strong and and make its statement as to what is right when it comes to biological gender. Uh, there's this other side of church, though, isn't there, that in, act, in actual fact is embracing and is loving and wants to accept and wants to nurture you onto uh, new strengths. How do you see the church? And perhaps you've had uh, sort of ideas that the church has been really against people who are transgender for a long time. How how do you feel about church now when you think about it? Um, yes, um, I, I suppose I was very resentful towards um, the um, Christian faith when I first became transgender because of their attitudes. Um, that may have been a part of what I felt was um, keeping me away, and I guess now that I'm detransitioning, I, there's, there's nothing to hold me back. But I, I believe that um, standing strong in their convictions is the most helpful thing. Um, if we start to water down um, the beliefs, it's not going to help anyone in the long run. It's it's actually it, it sounds harsh and cruel, but you can be compassionate, but also stand by your convictions. And that thing that brings respect and appreciation is not wishy-washiness. I can hear what you're saying. The recommendations, Jem, that you are calling for, for the West Australian Law Reform Commission, uh, one of those is that you're proposing a moratorium on affirming treatment of trans until there's been a thorough investigation into 
its cause. Uh, these things are, are very strong recommendations. Uh, how do you yeah. think they'll be received by those uh, law makers when they're considering these? Um, I think they'll be ignored. The lawmakers seem to have an attitude that um, there shouldn't be any dissenting views about this, and they are fully expecting to put, put their um, law reforms through. I, I wanted to say that because, to me, I, I actually believe that, that there needs to be more research into this, and we, what we need to do is research biological sex-affirming therapy. There needs to be a push for that, that that needs to be at least a 50-50 alternative to people. At the moment, it's all about affirming for therapy. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, it, it all should be pushed towards accepting your biological sex, but at least even to be balanced, um, a 50-50 approach would be the bare minimum. And, Jim, you want to stop indoctrination of children about gender choice. That you're seeing is being very, very damaging. Yes, um, um, children are very um, malleable in their belief systems and most children who are gender confused or gender questioning, left on their own, they naturally come back to choosing their biological sex. And now, instead, they're being pushed into affirming therapy. Um, and you can imagine how much you know, long-term damage this is going to be causing. Well, Jem, I'm humbled to have a conversation like this with you and uh, I know that listeners who are listening to the things that you're sharing will recognise just how important it is and it may be that for such a time as this that you begin to have a voice. And let me encourage you, and I know the prayers of listeners will be with you as you're going through what will be, a, no doubt, a, a rocky pathway forward. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and, and for telling your story too of rediscovering your Christian faith. I want to point yeah. listeners to your Facebook page. Now, the Facebook page you look for is Jem Bait. That's J E M. B-A-T-E, and you'll be able to read Jem's story and his submission to the West Australian Law Reform Commission. There's also a detransition support group that has started, and I think there will be, in fact, a link somewhere on Jem's Facebook page, uh, but that's one you could also search for if there are family members or friends who need to hear a message like this. Uh, Jeremy Bates, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and to share your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.